Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to open our Bibles to Jeremiah 18.4. Jeremiah 18.4. And I want you to just uh, see what the word of the Lord says for us today. You know, I marvel at Brother Angel, the patience that he has. He brings his whole crew here. You know, him and his wife are a blessing. Amen, amen. I just, amen. And I just, I was looking because I saw you right there, you know, and your wife was here with two kids and you were there. And I said, wow, that's awesome, you know. Give me that patience, Jesus. All right, praise the Lord. Let us read verse number four. Let us read it all together. And the vessel that was made of clay was married in the hands of the potter. So he made it, no, no, get that. So he made it again into another vessel, the same piece of clay, but he made it again into another vessel. Let us all read. As it seemed good to the potter to make. Wow. Now we're going to see what the, uh, amen, the new, uh, or better yet, the, uh, English Standard Version says. Do we have that up there? Yes, we do. Let us all read it together. And the vessel that was, uh, let's go again. And the vessel he was making of clay was full in the hand, potter's hands. And as it seemed good to the potter to do. So he was making it again of clay, he explained. But then it was. It was what? It was spoiled. The Spanish version that I read was, and then he smashed it because it was not to his liking. Amen? In the potter's hands. And he worked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. Can you say just make me again, Lord? Make me again, Lord. Make me again. And I, I've read this many of times. I've gone through the scripture many of times. But then when I was reading it this, at the beginning of the week when I was going through it, once again, it just hit me. It just hit me, and I'm going to bring to you what, how I feel God wants me to bring it to you. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you because you are a great God. You're an awesome God. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for everything you are to us. Lord, as we go into your word, I ask that you touch our hearts. Bring enlightenment to them that we may do according to your perfect will. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Perhaps you have read this story many of times. The story of clay on the wheel of a potter. In order for us to understand the whole picture and the essence 
of what God is wanting for Jeremiah to understand. That God has a process of making things to his perfection. In other words, we have to understand that God is a perfect God. And whatever he works on, he works it to perfection. It is, it is difficult for me to understand that, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm not perfect. But he is perfect. And when I come to that understanding that even though I am not perfect, but since he is perfect and he being perfect, it works things into perfection, that settles that. We have to see the condition of the people of Israel and what the story is all about. Where do they find themselves at this point? They are in a backslidden condition. But God wants to tell Jeremiah, listen, I know where the people are. What they are going through. And he tells them, you know, I just want to remind you, Jeremiah, who I am. I want to let you know that I know that while their children remember their altars, they remember their altars, and they're, within their altars, they worship pagan gods. And this was the downfall of the people of Israel, that wherever Israel went through, because the people of Israel, they were pilgrims marching towards the promised land. And as they marched towards the promised land, they stopped in various cities. And within each city, they had different practices because they were pagans. They did not know the true and living God. And wherever the Israelites stopped, whether it was with the Amorites or Canaanites or whoever, wherever they stopped, they picked up the culture's gods. They picked up the, the traditions. The pagan gods became their type of worship. And God is saying, I know, I remember, the, uh, excuse me, uh, I know that the children of Israel, they have their altars, and they have Asherim, and they worship, and they go out into the high hills to do this. But I want you to understand that this nation is a one God nation. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. There is only one Lord, one faith, and there's only one baptism. There's only, only one way of worship, and that worship is to that one God. And we have to understand this, that now they're worshiping this goddess whom they picked up as they were walking through. And this was the goddess of the sea, 
the goddess that they would call motherhood. And it's like today, you go into the mall. How many of you have gone to the mall and then they try to doctrinate you with the mother god? They try to doctrinate you with the mother god. Yeah, they, they, they try to bring one scripture. They make a whole scripture out of it. And then they, they give you one scripture, and then, they, and then they bring their book out that is all twisted. Yeah, and they, they try to, but let me tell you something. You and I know what the Bible says. And the Bible says that there is only one God, and that God is the one we worship. And we find out his name, because even though we did not know his name in the Old Testament, now we know his name, and his name is Jesus Christ. So now God wants to let Jeremiah know that he knows what they are going through. He knows that the children of Israel, they're worshiping idols. And we should not have no images before us. Because this is a form of us going before someone else that is not our God. So now God wants Jeremiah to know that he knows that the people of Israel have taken their eyes off, off of the true God and begun to trust in the counsel of men. Because as they crossed whatever country or whatever nation they come with, they would get doctrinated and they would follow up the counsel of men. And, and this is what God is telling Jeremiah, I want you to tell the people of Israel, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans. They rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. So whenever you and I turn ourselves away from God, we are open to curses. We are open to those things that God does not want us to possess or have. And we have to understand these things, that God is warning us. So God is telling Jeremiah, I want you to tell the people of Israel. I know that their children know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I understand that you have doctrinated them, but they've come across and they picked up these other gods. But I want you to know that as they picked up, they followed the counsel of men. And cursed are those who put their trust in mere human. So when you go through whatever you go through in life, you have to understand that there is only one way out. And, they were, and that way out is God himself. And for that reason, we have his word. And heaven and earth will pass away, but this word will never pass away. We have to be very careful with peer pressure because we're being attacked on a daily basis from all angles. We get counsel from here. We get counsel from there. We get counsel from everywhere. You get counsel from television. From You get to counsel from all, these, uh, all of this advertisement. You get counsel. Even when you go to school, not every professor believes in God. Uh, let me say it one more time. Not every professor believes in God. Not even, there's a lot of professors don't even believe in the word of God. And we have to be very careful. And let the Bible says that every man is a liar, only God is true. We have to understand these things. But through everything that they went through, 
God never gave up on Israel. That, that, that just caught my attention. You know, God never gives up on men. God will never give up on you. I don't care where you come from, what you've been through. God will never give up on you. It doesn't matter where you go, where you try to hide. No, God will never give up on you. He will always find you. He will get to you. One way or another, he will get to you. Why does, he do, why does he do this? I'll tell you why he does this. So that you and I can see and know what he can do for you. So that you and I can know what God can do. Why does he seek after us? Because he has a purpose for our lives. He has a master plan for our lives. And when he finds you, he wants you to understand that whatever he presents to you is for your own good. Amen. This world has nothing good to offer. Uh, let me tell you one more time. This world has nothing good to offer. There's a lot of things that you may say, hey, this is good, this is good, this is good. But if it's not according to this will that's God's word, the will of God, I'll tell you something. It's no good. Heaven and earth will pass away, I've told you once. I'll say it again. But this word will never pass away. This is the truth of God. And this is the best thing for you and I. Do you believe what I'm saying today? So the Lord sends Jeremiah. He says, listen, Jeremiah, I want to school you. I want to teach you. I want you to understand one thing. That I know where you're at. I know where the people of Israel are at of Israel are at. I know where they're at, but I want to school you. I want to teach you something today. I want you to understand this. I want you to understand. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to go down to the potter's shop, and I will speak to you there. So by teaching you something, I'm going to be speaking to you. That's how sensitive we've got to be to the plan of God. You don't know where and how God is going to speak to you or how he's going to teach you something. But if you and I, and I are sensitive and open to God, God will use anything and everything that he wants to use in order to get to you. We have to understand this. This is, I have to be sensitive. I have to be sensitive because I don't know if he's going to speak, me, speak to me through someone that's an elderly person. Someone that's my age or younger than me, even as a child. I don't know. But God, if he wants to get to me, he's going to use anything and everything to get a hold of me. Someone shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So I want you to go down to the potter's house and I will speak to you there. What the Lord wanted to show Jeremiah was his purpose. What he had found. And the Bible says this. In, in, in uh, Jeremiah 18, 1, this is what he is saying. Go down there. So I did, as he told me, and I found the potter working on his wheel. So now, if you understand, I, I don't know, I remember the second was in a class working with, with, with uh, clay. 
Amen. Pottery, yes. And, and I remember that he made me this cup. I think I still have it in my office there. Amen. But back then, I don't know if you used a wheel or what. Did you use a wheel? All right. So that they turned. And, it, and, it, and the, the thing there is not that the wheel is turning. What makes what is going to be made is the potter using his hands. And there's one thing that we have to understand today. The important thing about it all is that we are on the wheel. But that's not the important thing that we're on the wheel. The important thing is who's working on us. And we have to understand this. We have to understand this. Because the Bible says that while he was working on that wheel, he says the jar that he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. In other words, he was working on a piece of clay, making it into a jar. And while he was working with it, the Bible said that it did not turn out as he had hoped. So the Bible says he crushed it. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. The Bible says he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started all over again. So this is what I'm trying to say. When I was looking at this is this, that God will never give up on us. And maybe what he started to do once. It may not turn out to be what he was hoping to make. And then the Bible says that he put it back, he crushed it back into a lump. And I was going through this and, 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 and trying to figure this out so that God can teach me. Or better yet, so that God can teach us today what he's trying to tell us. Now, let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with the clay. There's nothing wrong with the clay. The clay was the same one he started with. The thing is this. He works with you and I to perfection because he's a perfect God. And maybe as he's going through the piece of clay or the lump of clay as it's going into its form, as it's going into its form, it does not turn out as he wants it to turn out. So let me use a little of my imagination. His way of making things is making it new if he does not like what it's turning out or what it's turning out to be. He makes it all over again. See, because God started with perfection. Say perfection. And since God started with perfection, he started doing things through us. So we have to have an assurance. We have to have an assurance. And we give up. Let me tell you why. And we, give, and we have this excuse. I know God is perfect, but I'm not perfect. And because I'm not perfect, that's like my fall and fall and fall again. But the reality is, that we all have a little of God inside of us. But what we have to have more than that is assurance, assurance. This is what the Lord is telling us through Isaiah. Isaiah 43, 1. This is what he's telling us. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who 
created you. He created you. Say, he created me. Not only did he create me, O Israel, the one who formed you. Now, let me tell you something. You may not like what you see when you see in the mirror and you try to fix it up. But whatever you see, that's what he made. Amen? If you're light-skinned, that's what he made. If you're dark-skinned, that's what he made. And he made it to his perfection. Did you hear what I said? And if you're tall, he stretched you out. And if you're not as tall, he didn't stretch you enough. But it's to his perfection. We are the ones that go out of shape. So we can't blame God for that. Ah, we can't blame God for that. All right. All right. You following me? All right. He formed us. Yes, he did. And this is what he tells us through Isaiah. Do not be afraid. Do not be intimidated. Do not have a low self-esteem of yourself. Do not be afraid. Say, I'm not afraid. afraid. Say it one more time. Oh, come on. Say, I'm not afraid. For I have, what? Ransom you. You know what he says? I bought you. I paid the price for you. So now you're worth something. When you were not worth anything... Now you are worth something. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I ransomed you. Yes, I did. This is what it says. I have called you by name. So he knows you. He knows exactly who you are. He knows you out of millions of people. He knows who you are. But the most secure thing that I have here is that he says, listen. You are mine. You are mine. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. Don't look down on yourself. Don't have a low self-esteem. Listen, because who you are, I created, I formed. Don't be afraid. I made you. And I don't, I, before my mama named me, he already knew my name. I know my mama named me. Because she told me. Before she named me Victor, God already knew that I was going to be victorious. So he says, I better just put him Victor. Huh? So he knows me by my name. Say, he knows me by my name. Say, I am his. So consider, in the innocent manner that you were formed, there was no guilt. There was no shame. And I gave the illustration. Listen to this. There is a process. Everyone say process. We were all formed We were all created in innocence. All of us. And from innocence then comes consciousness. In innocence, the baby is just there. And he only reacts to feeling. 
He's hungry, he cries. He's wet or she's wet, they cry. But they're innocent. They look at you, but there's a transition that happens from innocence to consciousness. And consciousness gives us, listen, the understanding. Everyone say understanding. Because in innocence, everything's clean. Everything's pure. But now in consciousness, now you begin to understand and say, that's good or that's bad. And even I brought Brother Villegas' baby up here, and Brother Villegas was holding her. And he and she, I'm sorry, she did not like as I was talking, maybe because I was screaming my head out here. She would look at me like, there's something wrong here. Because now she's conscious. But when she was a baby, it didn't matter. She was already accustomed to coming to church. For nine months, she came to church. She heard Brother Victor sing for nine months. So she was accustomed, but she was innocent. So now you grow into consciousness. And as you grow into consciousness, now you begin to know what's good and bad. Everyone say amen. Yes. But besides that, we all have a little of godliness in us, of God in ourselves. Because when you were born, Sister Karina, you were born to the image and the likeness of God. You were born, Brother Jesus, in the image and the likeness of God. And it has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with religion. It just means that God has given you a will as he has a will of his own. To accept or to reject. So now you are there, not in innocence no more, but now you're in consciousness. And because now you're conscious of what you are doing and saying and going about, little by little, we are attracted, we are called out, we give in to, little by little, to the console, to what we see, to what we hear, to what we smell, to what we taste. You understand what I'm saying? And we're drifted away. And if we are not grounded in the word of the Lord, we will be just as the people of Israel. Wherever we make a stop, we pick up something we shouldn't have in our lives. So now, Jeremiah, I want you to go to school. And I want you to go to the potter's house. And there I'm going to have you to hear my teaching. And the Bible says that when Jeremiah was at the potter's house, as Jeremiah saw that piece of clay in the hands of the potter, he saw the formation that he was giving it. And as he was giving that formation, all of a sudden the potter said, I don't like it, and it spoiled, and he made it into a lump again. And he started to do it again, and he did it to what it pleased him. When I was going through this, I saw then that we have to understand that the clay has no strength of itself. 
has no power of itself, has no decision of itself when we're talking about clay. And that's, how, that's the reason that God wants us to come back to innocence and to say, God, I blew it when I tried it on my own. I messed up because consciousness came to me. And within consciousness, I went astray. I went the wrong way. But God, I want to go back to the potter's house. I want you to start putting your hands on me. Now, I'm not going to butt into this. No, I'm not going to take a decision. I want you to make me according to your likeness. Someone shout hallelujah. We want you to fulfill your will in our lives. And when you're in the potter's hands, those are the miracle hands. Those are the hands that make perfection. Everyone say makes perfection. Yes, it makes perfection. It makes you what he wants you to be. And I'm telling you something. We, I am short of what he wants me to be because I am still on the wheel. And it's not until he's done with me that I'll be able to function to the fullness of what he wants me to be. So what do I have to do at this time? in order for him to do what he wants to do or make out of me what he wants it to be. I'll tell you something. I've got to submit myself to the perfect will of God. And as he is working on me, and as he is doing what he knows how to do best, I just got to be submissive to that will of God. And, his, and as he is on the wheel working, I will turn out from the wheel to work and do his will in order to come through for God's plan and for God's glory. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's from the wheel to the will of God that there's a transition. From the will to the will is where I have to deny myself in order for me to do what God wants me to do for his honor and for his glory. Is someone still here with me? So now, there are things within this that I have to understand. That during the time, during the time that the potter is working with the clay, there's a lot of clay that is taken off. I don't know. I wish I, I would have had the time to, to ask Victor to put a wheel up here, amen, uh, a wheel up here and, and do some type of, of uh, artwork with, with pottery. But I, I just can't imagine that, that the potter is working on that piece of clay. And if there is something that he does not like there, what does he do? He takes that piece of clay away from that jar. And the thing is this. Do we have to find ourselves to be able to be submissive to the will and the hands of the Lord to do according to his perfect will in our lives? And to take away anything and everything that does not belong there in order for us to turn out to be his perfection. You see what I'm saying? We have to understand that. That, hey, there's a lot of things that I want that shouldn't be in my life. There's a lot of things that I desire, but shouldn't be in my life. And the only way that I'm going to understand this is if I'm submissive and let him take away from me anything and everything from me. And that's the reason that if I go back to uh, Psalms 51, where David understands that he has sinned against God. 
And David wants the forgiveness of God. And he says, listen, God, you can take anything and everything from me. But there's only one thing that I ask that you don't take from me. And that is your Holy Spirit. Because the things that are going to cleanse us, purify us, and make us new is the Spirit of the Lord inside of us. There's no other way about it. But we have to be submissive to the will of God. And David says, hey, do it, Lord. And that's the reason that David would say, search me, O God. Search me, O God. And see if there's anything that will hinder me. Or if there's any hindrance within me. Lord Jesus, take it away from me in order, me, in order for me to fulfill your perfect will. When we understand these things, we put ourselves on the wheel of God. And God begins to work with us as clay. And he becomes a potter. And whatever he does will turn out to be perfect in the sight of God. You know what? And we see ourselves right now and there's imperfections. But don't let that be an excuse. Ah, oh, I flopped here, I flopped there, I messed up here, I messed up there, God. Uh, I've done this wrong, I've done this other thing wrong, God. And the devil wants you to stay in that condition. And God is telling you today, no, you don't have to stay there. You're on the wheel and he is still the potter and he is still working in you. And as, if, as long as he's still working in you, everything is going to be all right. There's greater things in our lives. I said there's greater things in our life. I, I, I believe it, that there's greater things for us in store for us. There's greater things for us. But we have to be submissive to what the potter is doing in us and through us. Someone shout hallelujah. I said someone shout hallelujah. So we have to come to the Lord and say, God, make us again. Make, make, make us again. Make me again. You know what that takes? Self-denial. Because, listen to me. Uh, I wonder how many times, Brother Victor, as you were working on that piece of clay, did that clay have any power over you? None. None. That clay was as submissive as you made it to be. All you did was, if you needed more water to be more moist, so you could work it easier, you did what you had to do. But that piece of clay had nothing to do to what you wanted it to be. What are trials that come our life? What are trials that come our way better yet? What are the things that we go through in our life that sometimes we say is because God does not love us that we're going through this? Or God is not with us that we're going through this? Or God is not taking care of us and God is there all the time with us. He has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. But every trial that comes our way will always hurt, will always help to make us better. And even though we do not appreciate the trial, we do not appreciate what we're going through, 
But as long as we stay in the, on the wheel of God and we can feel the hand of God, we have the assurance that he is with us. That's the, that's the reason that he talks to us through Isaiah and he tells us, listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I created you. I formed you. I made you. I gave you your name. I call you by your name. You are mine. I will never hurt you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be there. And that's the reason that David could call out and say, hey, I'll shout it out. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Did he have trials? Did he have... Did he have trials? You better believe he had trials. Did he have downfalls? You better believe he had downfalls. You, man, I would hate for God to put my life on the Bible as he did David for us to find out everything about Victor Prado. Hey, but let me tell you something. David assures me something. That even though he went through the valley of the shadow of death, he feared no evil. He feared no evil. You know why? Because he had an assurance. I am here. And he is mine. So we come to the point and we say, God, if you don't like what I'm turning out to be, make me over again. Make me, make me over again. If it hurts, it's okay. Make me over again. I'm not perfect, but you're perfect. And as you work with me, through me, in me, with your perfection, that's all I need. Because what I turn out to be is what I want to please you with. Because as he works with me, he works it into perfection. And that's what I want. Make me again. I give this illustration because it happened a long time ago. My wife and I had been married for about two years. And uh, as we were married, uh, I remember that I went downtown LA and uh, went to this fancy store. And, and I was walking through there and and I saw, and I saw this, this vessel. Let me see that, that bottle. That's okay. And I saw this vessel. And then right in front, there was a sign that says, do not touch. And I said, wow, but I liked it. And I, I was thinking of my wife. I said, I said may I ask how much does it cost? And the person said, something like $2,000. And I said, I was going to buy it. Piece of clay. Piece of clay. Clay is clay. Is that right, brother? Clay is clay. And I said, Why does it cost so much? Picked it up with care. And she brought it to me, Brother Jesus, and said, 
look who made me. There were scribbles there. When I saw it there, clay, it's just clay. But someone that knew how to work clay put their hands on it. Someone that knew how to work it into perfection gave it value. Put a price on it. And Jeremiah told me, I paid the ransom for you. Tell them, Isaiah. Tell Israel that I paid the price for them. And this just takes me back to understand. God saw you. And as he calls us, he calls us a chosen generation. Not only that, but he calls us a peculiar people. A holy nation putting value to you and I. Then, he says that he formed me from the dust thousand years ago he came to earth and he finished making me and he finished making me and forming me and then he bathed me with his blood and put price on me and I don't care what anybody says I don't care what Satan says and when God exhibits me, he shows me off. And he says, Satan, you can't touch this. Because he's got my signature. He is mine. It's not the clay that counts. It's the signature that counts. It's the signature that gives me value. Jeremiah, I want you to go to the potter's house. And I will hear, I will make you to hear. I will teach you there what I've got to teach you. I'll give you a lesson. And then he tells, listen, Jeremiah, if I can do this, and if the potter can do this with the clay, I can do it with my children, Israel. And today, I tell him, hey, maybe I'm not according to your life. I'm not according to your liking. No, or better yet, liking. I'm not according to your liking, but I'm telling you this. I want you to make me all over again. If it has to take more work, God, do it, please. If it has to take more work, do it, please, God, because I want to be able to bring it to your satisfaction. I want to be able to make it to your satisfaction. I want you to be able, I want to be able to do it to your 
your satisfaction. And when you are done with me, you will see. And whatever I do, you will at the end say, good and faithful service. Good and faithful service you've done. Good and faithful work you've done. And you will say to me, good and faithful servant, in the least you did well. I'll come into the kingdom of your Father and rejoice and be sanctified. Stand to your feet today, please. I don't know where you stand. I'm not here to judge anybody today. I'm not here to judge anybody here today. I'm not saying this. But I believe that there's room in our lives for God to work in. I'm not here to say, you got to correct this, you got to correct the other. I'm here to say, if you find yourself as I find myself. I need work in my life. But I can't do it because I'm not perfect. But since you are perfect, through your perfection, work in this vessel. And take anything and everything that does not belong here. Tell him cleanse me. Take all filth away from me, God. Take every evil thought away from me, God. Take every thought, every feeling of covetousness. God, take every impurity out of me. Every evil thought, every lust, Every desire of wrong, God, take it away from me, God. Every sin that bestows me, God, take it away from me, God. I need you to cleanse me and finish me off. Finish making me to your perfection. And only then will you be satisfied with what you've done. I don't know about you, but there is no greater satisfaction than a job well done. No greater satisfaction. Then when dad used to tell me, good job, son. Then when my teacher would tell me, you did it. Then when my coach would tell me, that was great. You know what that meant? They, they were satisfied with my performance, with my work. I want him to say, good job, good and faithful servant. But till then, I want myself back on that wheel. Finish with me, God. Finish working with you started. And if you didn't like it, and if you didn't like it, it doesn't matter. Just crush me and make me all over again. You've got the power. You've got the wisdom. You've got the knowledge to know how. Because I want 
to be filled with your power. And only then will I be able to do what you want me to do. And if there is room for God to work in your life, I want you to come to this altar. Say, God, work with me, God. Work in my life, God. Work. Work in me, God. Ah, you're not done, God. You're not done. You're not done. Do what you have to do, God. I just want to do what, what is best, what your will is. If you can close your eyes. If you have the liberty to raise your hands, just tell him, here I am, God. Just say, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Just tell him, here I am. Here I am one more time, God. But today I'm asking, make me all over again. If you had to crush me, God, it hurt. But make me all over again. Make me all over again. We are here. You found us to let us know and to see what you want to do through us and in us. I failed you. I've done wrong. And the thing is that you know that I failed you. Because I can't hide nothing from you. You know every thought that I've gone through and that has come into me. But right now, I stand like David did. Search me, oh God. Search me. And take every evil thing from me, God. Take every evil thought from me, God. Take every thought, Lord, whether it be of covetous, lasciviousness, God, whether it be, Lord Jesus, of wrong emotions that go through me, God, cleanse me, God. I want to be transparent this evening with you, Lord Jesus. Take every desire that I not to be in my life, God. Every thought, God, of concupiscence, God, in my life. 
every ill thought, God, take it from me. Deliver me from all fornication and adultery, God. Every idol that has been formed in my life, destroy it, Jesus. Everything, God, that has come against me to tear me down, Lord, deliver it right now, Jesus. Let me learn from the potter's house, God, what you want to do with me, Lord. Because I want to be made according to your image and to your likeness. I want a fruitful life, God. I need you to work on me, God. I want to feel your hands. Please, God, I want to feel your hands on me, God. As you're working on me, God, I want to feel you, God. I want to feel that touch of yours, Jesus. Work on me, Lord, work on me. Yes. <laughs>